0: I still haven't found what I'm looking for by Catherine 518. CHAPTER Four INAuspicious Meetings Ahsoka was once more walking alongside Harry, this time down a side alley just outside the starport where the ship was docked. Enough time had passed that Harry felt it was appropriate to return to the ship and quietly leave the moon of Narshada. Prior to this sudden bout of uncharacteristic sanity, Harry had dragged Ahsoka along to a stand he was looking for, and had gotten them each a berry tart. He was seemingly unconcerned with the danger they were in just by waltzing around the smuggler's moon. He actually hadn't spoken very much since their departure from the bar, until they'd ordered some food. Most of the trip, at least to Ahsoka's eyes, he seemed lost in his own thoughts, though not in the way that he typically zoned out, but more like he was turning something over in his mind while Ahsoka kept her gaze on him, concerned. Whatever was on Harry's mind seemed to resolve itself after they left the vendor. Harry's stride was once more confident rather than distracted as they made their way back towards the ship. Ahsoka was positive they had passed at least one group of bounty hunters staking out the entrances as they entered the area of the docking bays. The group didn't even look at them twice. Even though Harry and her had their hoods up, Ahsoka was surprised that their mere presence didn't attract more attention. Eventually, she realized that Harry had used some more notice-me-not magic, that kept the groups from reacting. In an effort to slip him out of his silence that was bordering on brooding, Ahsoka had asked him more about magic behind the spell. Harry went on to explain some of the finer beginning points of how it worked as they walked a leisure pace back towards the docking bay. Prior to their departure from the food stand, Harry had contacted Minnie about possibly getting a report of Ahsoka being sighted somewhere else. Minnie had come back with a surprised comment that that had already happened. Twice. There were reports of a Jedi showing up at the bar they had been at, where all the chaos had been well after they had left, and a brief skirmish in the same area. However, there was also a report that the bounty hunters had blown up a Jedi flyer, which had just landed. Harry rolled his eyes and muttered a comment about stupid Jedi announcing their presence using a Republic military vessel in Hut space that was currently in the middle of a galactic war. Many had also momentarily worried them when she said she was monitoring another report of bounty hunters that were converging on Ahsoka, but they were put at ease when the Protogal droid clarified that the spot they seemed to be converging was nearly a quarter of the moon away, and happened because someone had reserved a hotel room under the name Ahsoka Tano. Harry had frowned at the news, but Ahsoka had wondered out loud if the slicer that he had hired had done them a favor for the generous bonus. Harry immediately told Minnie to add the additional 20,000 credits he had promised the slicer to the payment account he had set up before he had forgot. Almost two hours after they had escaped the chaos of the bar through a wall, they arrived back at the docking bay where they had left the Gryffindor. Harry was a few steps ahead headed down the path towards their ship's dock and stopped suddenly. When Ahsoka stepped close, she couldn't figure out why. He explained quietly without her prompting. The intent wards on the ship are... up. Anyone intending to harm us or the ship will suddenly find themselves with other urgent errands to run. But Doby was only supposed to activate those if they damaged the ship. Or he was being overwhelmed somehow. I'm sure would have felt that. Harry commented as he began to walk again. This time his stride was quicker and much more purposeful towards their docking bay. He frowned as he approached the door to their hangar. It was clear something had happened. There was blaster scorch marks all around the door, but the door itself appeared untouched. In fact, it appeared practically brand new. As they approached, a shadow separated itself from the doorway, just meters from it. The shadow resolved itself into a figure of a humanoid in a black cloak, though the cloak was clearly muddied and torn. "It's been a long night. Nothing you're selling could possibly interest me," Harry said as the figure approached. Harry felt Ahsoka tense from beside him. Her hand went to her belt instinctively, and he heard her restrain her groan of frustration. The figure held up her hands, showing that they were empty anyway, as well as revealing an extremely voluptuous female from underneath. But even the sight of half-exposed breasts and skin-tight leather was enough at the moment to distract him from the safety of Dobie and his ship. The figure hesitated, and then pulled back the hood, revealing a Twi'lek with blue skin and her head adorned with black leather headgear. Her features were marred by the slight burn mark on her cheek that was testament to the fact that she certainly had her own rough night. Harry blinked as his eyes slicked up and down the attractive Twi'lek. Okay, I take that back. What you're selling could interest me, but not at the moment, sorry. Ahsoka's expression, which had turned to one of recognition, morphed to a combination of horror and shock at Harry's blunt statement. The twilight didn't look much different, although more than a little indignant, before she could overcome her initial shock and say anything in retort, Harry continued, And if you're looking for the toilet dancing audition, I think we passed the docking bay running that scam a few minutes ago. Thought you might want to get cleaned up a bit. Your body's smoking, but the whole just escape from burning junkyard chick look you've got going on probably isn't going to be most people's thing. He said as he looked her up and down once more, Dirty clothes aren't likely to help you land a gig either. He summed up, then looked away dismissively, and proceeded to ignore her as he passed by and approached the door of the hangar. Tossing over his shoulders, he went, "'Although it might get you kidnapped and sold either way, "'if that was your goal to begin with.'" "'Harry!' Ahsoka gasped, once her powers of speech had returned. She had seen him being irreverent and disrespectful to Jedi, who had irritated them back on Coruscant, but those Jedi had been antagonistic. Both of them had taken issue with her turning her back on the Order, and that was further compounded by an an old grudge one of them held against her master. This behavior surprised her, though. She hadn't seen him blatantly insult to someone for almost no reason before. Hmm? Harry replied, absently, as he put his hand on the door and felt the magic recognize him. He realized that the entire door had been repaired magically. He wondered how damaged it had been by those who forced the issue if it had required efforts like this from Dobie.
1: This is... she is... you just... "'This is Master Kara
0: Ahsoka sputtered. Ahsoka's comment was rather loud, and the Jedi Master looked round furatively, but there was no one around to hear the exclamation in sight. Her hand dropped to her lightsaber as she waited for any reaction. Finally, when she was assured that there were no other bounty hunters in the immediate vicinity, she said, "'We shouldn't talk out here.
1: This entire place is an opera.'"
0: "'Oh, so not selling anything.'" "'and not looking for phony dancing auditions?' "'Harry asked blandly, looking back at her briefly. Ayla Sakura fixed Harry with a glare as he pushed open the door. "'He winked unashamedly and gave a jaunty wave back just before he stepped through, "'not giving her time for a stuttering reply. "'Ahsoka turned to Ayla to apologize. "'Before she could say anything, Harry's shouted voice emerged from the door he had just stepped through. "'Merlin blast it!' "'Ahsoka rushed in right after Harry.' "'only to be stopped almost immediately. "'The utter disbelief at the sight before her "'made her forget almost all of her thoughts "'and rooted her to the spot, "'although she was shoved forward slightly "'when Master Sakura followed quickly on her heels "'and stumbled into her. "'Both of them could do little more than gasp in shock "'as they looked around at the unnatural chaos before them. "'The hangar resembled a house of horrors. "'There were bodies all over the docking bay, "'some laying over packing crates or behind pillars.' Some slumped against the wall, and there was a chest-high pile of bodies stacked up on the ground. The bodies encompassed species of all sorts. Human, Trandocian, Gimorian, Guros, Equilish, Twi'lex, Solistan, and Rhodian were just the ones Ahsoka was able to identify. All the bodies were completely naked. Ahsoka and Ayla could only stare in dumbfounded manner as they looked around and tried to come to grips with what their eyes were telling them. Harry had his head bowed, his eyes were closed while he rubbed his forehead slowly, all while he slowly counted down from fifty. be Harry finally cried out, the exasperation in his voice easy to hear. There was a hesitation and then a small snap. Out of nowhere, a small being appeared with pointed ears and dressed in overalls. He was wearing three different types of goggles on his head and holding a hydrospanner. His sudden appearance caused both Ahsoka and Ayla to jerk in surprise, though Ayla's reaction was far worse as she had yet to experience someone popping in via teleportation.
2: Yes, Harry Potter, sir,
0: the house elf said as he practically bounced, looking far too chipper. Harry groaned again, hearing the being call him master. Doby, what happened to just calling me Harry?
2: Miss Ahsoka gets to call Harry Potter Master, then Doby can start calling him Master again. Master Harry Potter says that Doby shouldn't be the only one to call him that. But now Doby isn't, so Doby can say Master again."
0: The little elf rambled brightly, while indicating Ahsoka with the Hydra Spanner he carried. Harry shot Ahsoka a glare that promised retribution in the future, before he closed his eyes and once more counted to fifty in his head, before he began to speak very slowly with a forced calm that kept his voice level. Doobie, I gave you very few rules. What was the first rule I told you about related to nudity?
2: Doby's never done dressed Master Harry Potter for him while he's sleeping,
0: Doby dupefully replied, looking even more proud of himself for reciting it. Harry sighed and visibly twitched as he did so. That it had happened only once. It had creeped him the hell out. He had been very blunt in laying down the law the next day with the house elf, so that there was never a repetition. Ayla was just watching the surreal interaction, surrounded by naked bodies. She had no frame of reference for how to act in a situation like this, and had no idea where to mentally start cataloging what was wrong with the sights before her. Soka wasn't much better, as she certainly wasn't prepared for the naked bodies. She was able to focus a bit more as she finally saw the elusive Doby for the first time since she boarded the Gryffindor, despite multiple attempts at tracking the tiny creature. "'Okay, Doby. that was the first rule. What was the second most important rule that concerned naked people?' Harry asked in that same forced calm. Doby frowned.
2: "'That Doby was not to strip people down for punishment.'
0: Harry nodded and then gestured to the pile of bodies with a violent wave of his hand as the forced composure in his voice almost broke. Care to explain these? Toby only looked a little bit debashed.
2: Great Harry Potter says if people damage Master or Master's things, only the rule about staying safe remains in effect.
0: Harry looked up at the ship with a raised eyebrow. It looks pristine to me. The Carthorian paint job doesn't even look damaged. After a few moments of examination... Harry mentally corrected himself. Unbreakable charms might have had something to do with the lack of visible damage. He continued to survey the ship with a practiced eye. Still, Doby was rarely wrong about anything to do with the ship. Harry, despite himself, was actually a bit surprised. Despite all the years he was with Doby, occasionally something new revealed itself, which is an ever-present reminder to the wizard that he didn't know everything in the universe. Despite voicing his doubts, he trusted Doby implicitly which meant if Doby said there was something wrong, then there was something wrong. Ultimately, Harry talked it up to being yet another quirk of the house elves' makeup, and that his friend's awareness of the ship was very much like his awareness of the status of any of Harry's houses. They seemed to know what was wrong and where things needed to be fixed, or things that might be about to go wrong. It made Doby an amazingly effective mechanic. What did they damage, Doby? He eventually asked in a pained voice. Doby pointed at a pile of armor, weapons, clothes, and other bits of equipment.
2: Doby left bad men alone at first. Bad men couldn't get in the ship. Then bad men attached something to the hull. Doby hears big boom and flash and strange blue lights all over. Blue lights did something to the ship's computer. Metal Minnie says the ship's computer no longer works.
0: Harry blinked in surprise as he almost instantaneously translated what Doby was saying, and then scowled. He hadn't seen a device do that before, at least not one used by a group of mercs attempting to board a ship, though he had some ideas of what it might be from rumors he'd heard of the more advanced weaponry being used in the current war. "'Can you fix it?' he asked. Doby's ears drooped and he shook his head while tugging on his ears.
2: "'It's not broken, broken. It just won't turn on.'
0: "'That's your mechanic?' Ahsoka asked in disbelief, finally managing to find her voice. Distantly, she wondered if it had truly been only a few moments ago that she thought she was used to Harry's quirks, enough not to be surprised much anymore. Doby looked past Harry at Ahsoka and thrust his chest out proudly.
2: Doby is good mechanic. Doby heard Miss Soki say she could help fix things on the ship, but Doby's the best mechanic for Great Master Harry Potter.
0: The last part was said with an almost offensive shout as his features fixed in a scowl. Ahsoka, though, didn't even pay attention to the green being questioning her skills with starships. She was firmly latched on to the nickname that the being had apparently created for her. Miss Soki? She parroted, this time looking to Harry for an explanation, only now he seemed a trifle amused. Harry smirked. Doby chooses his own names. Trust me, it could be a lot worse. Soka narrowed her eyes and then returned Harry's smirk with one of her own. It was rare she received a chance to needle Harry that was gift-wrapped and presented on a platter as Toby had just provided. So, I assume there's a story behind the great Master Harry Potter? Harry grimaced and held up his hand as he realized this joke had been turned round on him. Please, please, don't get him started. You can always talk to him later. He glanced around the docking bay once more before raising his voice. Minnie? There was a few seconds, pause, and then a slight hiss as the hatch near the cockpit opened. The odd-looking protocol droid that Harry owned pushed its torso out, but came no further as it was several meters to the ground.
1: "'Yes,
0: Mr. Potter?' the robots asked. "'How bad is the ship's computer, Minnie?' Harry's asked, irritation leaking through his
1: voice. "'Nothing is broken, Mr. Potter. Everything just seems to be erased. All maintenance algorithms?' navigational charts, and even basic
0: functions and diagnostics seem to have been wiped. It works as in it turns on, but it does not know how to do anything else. Only manual functions are operational
1: at the moment. I suspect that we even have that
0: much at our disposal only because
1: of the unique modifications you've made to the ship,
0: the droid replied dupefully. Sounds like they hit it with some sort of ionic charge to short everything out. Soka said as she moved forward towards the ship, while in thought. She turned suddenly to Harry. "'If they erased your ship's computer, then you'll need to get everything. An R2 unit can get you navigational charts and basic functionality, but getting your ship working will require an entire new computer, or at least installation package.' Harry sighed visibly. "'An ion charge. I knew that kind of tack sounded familiar, but bloody fantastic. That'll take hours to fix.' His irritated gaze fell on the pile of stunned bodies before he quickly looked away and began to pace. Ahsoka could see the irritation on his voice as he walked to and fro. The problem seemed simple enough to her at least. The only question in her mind was whether they could fix it and leave before some bounty hunter got lucky and figured out a way around whatever magical protections Harry had thrown up to protect them. Eventually, something resolved in Harry's mind because he suddenly looked quite thoughtful and began to speak more to himself than her or Hela who he was still dupefully ignoring. Okay, I would assume some of these idiots own a ship. Probably several of them, right? Unless they were pirates on a bloody big ship, he asked rhetorically. Then he continued without waiting for an answer. So here's what we're going to do, he said as he turned his attention squarely to Ahsoka. I'm going to put a stronger ward up to protect the ship and surrounding area. No one's getting through here while I've got that thing up. Then, we're going to toss each of those bozos in my brig, and then turn them over to the Wookiees when we get to our next stop. If any of them have bounties, great. If not, then the Wookiees can decide on what to do with them. Harry chuckled softly, and Ahsoka had to think very little to guess what Harry was imagining. Wookiees weren't the biggest fan of pirates and bounty hunters, and their captives would likely spend several years regarding their career choices before they were freed. Of course, there was always the possibility that they wouldn't survive what the Wookiees did to them. Wookiees tended to not treat their prisoners with kid gloves. However, first things first. I am going to wherever they docked and take all their stuff. Harry rubbed his hands together. He completely ignored the way Ayla's eyes narrowed at the confirmation of him outright stating he intended to commit a criminal act. In fact, he seemed completely oblivious or apathetic to her presence. Ahsoka gawked at the convoluted and likely risky plan he'd come up with. If you've got as much money as you claim, we could just buy a new computer from one of the local chop shops instead. We don't need to steal one of their computers to use. Uninstalling it from their ship and installing it in ours could take a day or two at least. <laughs> Who said anything about stealing one of their computers for me to use? I don't need to do that. I have a backup computer. It's just time-consuming and irritating to install and reboot everything. Harry shook his head. Nope. I'm feeling vindictive at the moment. They
1: inconvenienced me?
0: I'll inconvenience them.
1: It's like galactic karma.
0: Ahsoka fixed Harry with a stare, which he met and then grinned unrepentantly. Okay, so it's me being childish and petty. There are times I tend to think of them as the same thing. He looked away from Ahsoka as his brain seemed to catch up with the fact that not only did they have another guest, but the Twi'lek was currently standing there looking at him like he was insane and seemed to be experiencing complete brain lock. His eyes locked with hers. And what's your story, Blue? I take it you're the dumbass Jedi who actually attempted to land a Nar Shaddaa in a completely undisguised ship known to be used by Jedi, complete with Republic markings, even though someone seems to have declared open season on Jedi, or at least former Jedi. Ayla glared at him balefully and bit her tongue for several seconds. Rather than get into any sort of back and forth or war of words with the man, she turned to Ahsoka.
1: I was dispatched to the council to North Dar to investigate all the bounty hunters converging here. When I landed my ship, I felt a disturbance in the forest. It was unlike anything I have ever felt before. So I went to investigate. She then
0: actually looked a bit charred.
1: I was a bit reckless in how quickly I left the ship, not checking to see that my arrival drew a lot more attention than expected. Ahsoka
0: listened closely with narrow eyes. Harry's expression had gone blank a few moments after she started
1: speaking. I was worried the hunters had found another Jedi mark to take down, especially as I heard that Cadben was lingering about. I have lost enough Jedi brothers and sisters to that bastard. I followed my senses to the bar where there was chaos.
0: Ayla explained, watching Harry. With the shock of the presence of the naked bodies everywhere, she just now realized that she couldn't sense him at all in the Force. The complete absence of what should have been both his Force and emotional presence was rather off-putting, and a massive distraction as well.
1: Chaos?
0: Ahsoka asked, a brief smile crossing her face as she glanced at Harry's curiously unreadable expression.
1: No one was dead, at least not yet, though a couple of people took blaster bolts. "'People are raving about monsters and wild animals that someone somehow raised from a zoo inside the bar.'
0: She turned to look back and forth from Ahsoka to Harry, with suspicion clear on her face. "'Weird,' he said, no attempt at all on his part to make his confusion seem believable. He was really tempted to just chuck the Jedi out of the docking bay.' Harry was actually genuinely annoyed with the way she was talking to Ahsoka, like she needed to explain the situation in its entirety, as if the young woman still was a child.
1: By the time I got back to my ship, it was just a crater,
0: Ayla said, irritation in her voice. When the statement hung in the air for several seconds, Harry shrugged slightly and looked entirely unsympathetic as he clapped his hands. "'Right. Miss Tana, you said you could do a bit of maintenance. "'Can you hook up the ship's computer to a spare and do a reinstall with Minnie?' "'I think Minnie got a backup archive from only a few days ago.' "'I tend to run them every other hyperspace jump or so, "'and Doby's not supposed to touch the ship's computers unless necessary.' Ahsoka looked surprised at the forethought before she responded promptly. "'Yeah, I can do that. It'll take a few hours, though.' "'That's fine.' Harry chuckled softly. "'Doby!' Ahsoka will be fixing the computer.' Your job is to get these bounty hunters clothed again, and after Minnie scans them for any bounties, toss those that are worth something into the brig. Stack the rest in the corner. In the meantime, Minnie will interrogate each of these arse wipes, find out where their ships are, and then I steal them. Harry stated with an amused grin and a tone of finality.
2: Yes, Master Harry Potter?
0: Dobby nodded earnestly and turned to look at the pile of bodies. He snapped his fingers once and the people on top of the pile began to float off. Your mechanic can use the force too? Ahsoka asked, managing to keep her jaw from dropping. You mean he can use magic? Harry said reprovingly, reminding Ahsoka once more that he thought of it completely different than she did. It's a little bit more complicated, but essentially the answer is yes. He is a being of magic. Magic? Ayla blurted and turned to scowl at Ahsoka.
1: You are fallen in with a force-using bounty hunter? "'who thinks of the Force as magic?'
0: "'Disbelief and more than a hint of condescension in her voice. "'Master Sakura?' "'Ahsoka started, only to be interrupted by Harry. "'Hey, Blue, be quiet for a bit, would you? "'You're pretty and all, but at the moment your ignorance is just annoying.' "'He shook his head slightly, irritation in his voice. "'And please note, I'm being nice by assuming it's ignorance. "'If it's not, then it's idiocy, "'and that would mean you probably missed your calling as a dancer.' Or maybe a bondage model for a holovid company. Intelligence not needed. Ayla looked absolutely mortified at the accusation and couldn't even form words at the insults flung her way. A response hadn't even formed in her mind when Harry began to speak again. So just be quiet for a bit, would you? Harry said as he flicked his fingers at her. There was a slight surge in the force that caused Ayla to look around in confusion but caused Ahsoka to narrow her eyes and stare at Ayla. Ahsoka knew that Harry had done something, but nothing was immediately visible, at least until Ella opened her mouth, only to find that no sound came out. She frowned and tried several times to say something, anything. Her hands went to her throat instinctively. Harry nodded, looking satisfied, and turned away to look back at the ship, only to immediately turn back with his eyes closed. Doby. "'Believe it or not, having them hanging in the air on display "'actually makes the whole nudity thing worse. "'Give them clothes, now!'
2: "'Yes, Mr. Harry!'
0: Doby replied distractedly, "'though this time there was more than a little amusement "'in the little being's tone. "'There were small whispers, both audible and within the force, "'as Doby fashioned undergarments on them in midair. Ayla paused in the middle of touching hands to her throat "'as she watched with wide eyes, "'as the undergarments appeared out of nowhere.
1: "'Mr.
0: Potter!' I have the list of bounties for your review. The droid spoke up from where it had remained at the open hatch on the ship. Harry shook his head and waved off the droid. He didn't have the time nor inclination to review each one. That's okay. Just pick the most expensive ones and the ones we can deliver to a station on Kashyyyk and share it with Doby, and dose them with serum, and get me the location of their ships. Harry, you didn't have to silence her. "'said Ahsoka as she gestured to the blue Twi'lek. "'Harry turned away from the sight of Doby floating body after body "'past the droid's ocular scanners. "'The two were moving quickly, "'and bodies were already disappearing into the ship with soft pops. "'He blinked a bit and then turned back "'and saw the Twi'lek with one hand on her hip, "'the other still touching her throat in disbelief. "'For just a moment, Harry shook his head "'as he was struck by a memory "'of more than one of the people he knew in his life "'in nearly the exact same pose.' Harry quickly shook himself from the memory. Sure I did. She was about to get on her soapbox and start proclaiming how poor backward cultures, still thinking of it as magic, since for some reason it's more impressive than scientific calling it the force. Harry went so far as to do air quotes with his fingers. Ahsoka blushed a bit as she remembered saying the exact same thing to Harry not that long ago after they'd met. A name which doesn't have any sort of power and subjugation or tones at all. Harry added sarcastically as an afterthought before gesturing at the still-silenced Twi'lek. Also, well, she's not as bad as you in the lying department, she's not exactly good at it either. Lying? Ahsoka asked with a frown as she turned to look at the Jedi Master. She had thought she could still call her friend through narrowed eyes. Ayla hadn't been part of the trial, judgment, or her subsequent expulsion from the Order. Ayla was taken aback by the accusation and by Ahsoka's suspicious expression, but was unable to formulate any sort of reply or retort, while somehow unable to make a sound. Harry shrugged. She was sent here for one of three reasons. He began ticking off his fingers. Option one. The counts of old idiots, you know, the same ones that were going to murder you for PR points without anything but circumstantial proof, now want you back. Option two. That same council wants me brought in because I could make their week even worse in the court of public opinion with that it I sent them. Or option three. They don't like someone who can do things with their precious force that they've never dreamt of and they want to know how. Likely before casting aspersions that I'm one of their big bad evil boogeymen. Harry turned his head and jerked his thumb towards Ayla, who could only stare at Harry open mouthed. She's either a spy, kidnapper, or assassin. The first bounty hunters responded well to the ventriloquism, Master Potter. Harry's comlink chirped from his wrist, interrupting Harry from continuing or Asaka from replying. I have the coordinates of their ship berths, docking bays, as well as the codes to get past their security systems. What about the bounty hunters Cad Bane or and Ora Singh? Were either of them present in that mess? Harry asked after a few moments' hesitation as he dragged the names of the bounty hunters the hacker gave him to the forefront of his mind. No, sir. None of those bounty hunters are affiliated with either of those criminals thus far, nor have any mentioned them. The droid's voice replied. Harry frowned and shrugged a bit. Okay, send the data to my comlink, including the passwords and such. I'm going to get started on some galactic karma. He grinned and turned to Ahsoka, but she cut him off before he could say anything. "'How did your droid get that information so quick? How do you know whatever they told you is not going to lead you into a trap?' She demanded as she stood in front of him with her arms crossed, looking like she intended to keep him from leaving. Verita Serum,' Harry said with a chuckle. "'It's one of those potions I mentioned before. In the case of this one, it's a painless interrogation potion.' Three drops, and they truthfully answered any question put to them. Harry continued, seeing the questions forming on Ahsoka's mind. Wears off in about half an hour, and they're none the worse for the wear save for a bit of dry mouth. Right now, side effects are the least of their concerns. Harry flashed Ahsoka another grin when he answered her questions before she could ask them. Go ahead and get started on the computer reboot. I'll be back in a bit. He gestured towards the ship as he turned to walk away. Harry! Ahsoka called as he turned away. He stopped and looked back at her with a raised eyebrow. She gestured at Ayla, who was still silenced, and the younger woman had a slightly pleading expression on her face. The Twi'lek, on the other hand, didn't seem nearly as upset as she had been just a few moments before. Of course, that was just before Harriet accused her of being an assassin. There was still an angry glare on her face as she gestured at her throat, and an echo of Ahsoka's plea. Harry was tempted to tell Ahsoka that, if the Jedi were so all-knowing, they should be able to dispel a simple silencing spell without too much effort. But instead, he sighed and relented. Fine. But if you leave the docking bay, you won't be able to get back in until I'm back. He turned, and as he walked away, Harry absently waved a hand in Ayla's direction. Ayla felt the small surge in the force and opened her mouth.
1: I, I can talk now? How did you do that?
0: Harry looked back over his shoulder and winked, "'Well, according to you, it certainly couldn't have been Magic Blue.'" He made no attempt to hide that his gaze was directed squarely on the Twi'lek's chest as he disappeared with a soft crack mid-stride. After Harry left, Ayla had spent nearly a minute in silence as she stared at the spot he had disappeared from. When she finally tore her eyes away from the space, Ayla turned to Ahsoka, only to see her friend eyeing her suspiciously. "'So why are you here, Master Sakura?' Ahsoka finally asked when she had the Twilight's attention. Like I said, I was tasked to investigate, sir. Don't lie to me, snapped Ahsoka, and for once she actually felt angry. She had wanted to deny Harry's words when he listed off the reasons for Master Sakura's being there, but Harry had predicted the Order would send someone after them. He also had been fairly direct about his suspicions and hadn't seemed to have gotten much wrong since he had met her. She met Ayla's eyes, trusting in Harry's perception of the events. Don't you dare lie to me. I can handle the council lying. I can handle that idiot prosecutor Tarkin along with the Supreme Chancellor. But now you're lying to me too? My trust in the members of the Order seems like it's dwindling fast. I can't trust the council. I can't trust my friends. If I can't trust you, it looks like the only Jedi I can trust is Skywalker. Ayla stared at Ahsoka and desperately wanted to fall back upon the three rules of infiltration, deny, 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 but felt that would only damage her case further. Ahsoka had obviously already placed a large amount of faith and trust in the eccentric and crude bounty hunter. The man was certainly dangerous, and for him to pick up upon the fallacy she spoke so quickly meant she would need to go for a full disclosure or leave immediately to check in with the council for further instructions. That would take time, as she didn't have access to a long-range communications device, thanks to her ship being blown up. It also meant she'd likely lose their trail immediately, even if Harry had mentioned that they were bound for Kashyyyk next. In the end, it came down to Ayla's conscience. She felt she couldn't lie to Ahsoka, not after the Council had wronged her so badly. The Jedi Order had failed her, and she wouldn't allow the council to compound that failure by casting aspersions upon her character just because of her now close proximity to a force user whose motivations, goals, and history were shrouded in mystery. Aayla's sighed.
1: The council ordered that I attempt to find out more about him. Master Yoda termed it as a virgin, a shadow point even. So I am to figure out more about him, where he's from, what he did to the two masters to make the two of you disappear, I was also to ascertain if you are in any danger while with him, and to report my findings back when relevant.
0: Well, if you haven't noticed, I'd be in danger with or without Harry, Soka snorted. I certainly don't see the council caring if their embarrassment got waxed by the same bounty hunters we've put in prison multiple times each.
1: Yes, I see that now. I take it that is what the bounty hunter you about turned in on Carl's hunters about?
0: Ayla asked. The accusations against the council completely ignored for the time being. Ahsoka looked at Ayla carefully, but she eventually nodded. Yeah, I didn't reclaim my lightsaber before turning down the order's offer to return, so when the hunter had a gun to the back of my head, along with six others, it was Harry who stepped in and saved me. He used a force
1: to do this, Ahsoka?
0: Ayla asked, her tone carefully neutral, as she hoped to not only draw out information on Harry's abilities, but his motivations as well. Ahsoka shook her head quickly. "'You can draw your own conclusions, but I'm not telling you anything else, Master Sakura.' Ayla felt a brief pang in her heart when her old friend refused to call her Ayla like she once had. "'I won't betray him, not after he saved me multiple times. Hell, first I had to pester him for a while to even consider showing me what he has.' Ahsoka lifted her chin slightly in combination of pride and defiance as she met Ayla's eyes.
1: What did he offer you?
0: Ayla's tone was filled with caution now. That kind of offer sounded too much like some sort of temptation to lure Ahsoka to the dark side. The idea sounded preposterous to Ayla, but she knew anything was possible. She had seen several Jedi fall, who she never would have imagined be tainted by exposure to the dark side. No matter how strong-willed... A well-intentioned that Jedi may have been. Even her old master had been changed by his exposure. Ayla herself had once fallen to the temptation after her mind had been wiped with glitteral. She knew what sort of attraction and power waited for those too weak to resist it. Ahsoka Tano had always had a good heart, but she wasn't even a full Jedi. She was still a padawan before she was dismissed from the Order. She had also been brash, reckless, headstrong, much like her master— she wouldn't be the first with those qualities to find themselves falling in circumstances such as this. I can't tell you what he showed me, Ahsoka said with a shrug. Ala quirked her eye at that statement. Perhaps Ahsoka simply didn't wish to spread knowledge around of what the uncivilized man had offered her, but the way she said it sent chills up Ayla's spine. Her eyes narrowed, but something nagged at the back of her mind, telling her that there was more to this situation than appeared at first glance.
1: Explain.
0: She demanded curtly. Ahsoka smiled, and there was a bit of a smirk to that smile. Demand all you want. I literally can't, Master Sekira. If I break my oath, my connection to the Force will be stripped away. A look of utter horror crossed Ayla's face at that concept, and at the idea of what this man had done to subject Ahsoka to such a dreadful fate. Worse, it seemed that Ahsoka didn't seem bothered by it at all. He did what? Ayla spluttered. Uh, has he trapped you like this? Ahsoka hesitated a moment before she seemed to consider. She spoke slowly, as if testing the very words that she spoke. It's one of the ways his people keep secrets. Oaths, vows, and contracts mean a lot to his people, and it's backed up and enforced by the force itself. Well, magic, as he says. Ahsoka shrugged off the idea into Ayla's incredulity. Her expression said it was no big deal. Harry said magic itself will also work to protect that knowledge so it can't be forced or coerced out of me. Seeing Ayla's expression, and likely assumption, Ahsoka shook her head. I'm not trapped. I can leave at any time. I just can't tell anyone about what he teaches me, or what he does with his magic, or teach it to anyone else. Ahsoka gave Ayla an odd look. Unless you, of course, give him the same kind of oath. Ayla was shocked at that
1: statement, and a bit offended. I have my own oath and promises to uphold the order. I will not spread my loyalties, much less to some bounty hunter scum.
0: Soka narrowed her eyes at that last description, and her voice turned chilly. I'll let that slide this time, Master Sakura. But don't ever insult Harry around me again. A thought occurred to her as she glanced round, or around Dobie. You saw what he does to those he felt was going to harm Harry's ship. Harry's warned me more than once that Doby can be a little overzealous in defense of him. Then again, until a few minutes ago, I was starting to wonder if Doby was just made up as a part of some prank Harry was going to play on me. Ahsoka then shook her head, letting her lengthening lekku fall free from the cloak she had been wearing. Ayla remembered Ahsoka right when she was first assigned to Skywalker. Back then, her lekku barely touched her shoulders. Now they were halfway down her chest and back. I'm staying with Harry, Master Sakura. He saved my life. He's funny, and while he may be crude, he's never given me one reason to doubt his intentions. He has also been truthful with me, as far as I can tell. Harry didn't make me come with him. I asked to go with him. She shook her head slightly, and I had to convince him. But the moment the idea to stay with him popped into my head, the Force all but screamed at me to follow through. Soka hesitated, her eyes got a serious look in them, and her voice went from defensive to earnest. Somehow, I knew, I was meant to do this, that the implications would be staggering for myself, the Jedi, for everyone in the Republic. It was unlike anything I've ever experienced. I mean, I've felt the Force guide my movements in battle. I've felt nudges and urges and subtle insinuations that I should do something every once in a while. But I've never felt it to just stand up and say, If you ever want to make an impact, you need to do this now. Zoka's eyes had a faraway look in them as if she was reliving the memory. She glanced at Ayla, And I won't let you or anyone else speak ill of him without even spending time around him. Real time around him. Not time when he's amped up from getting shot at because people are after me or dealing with Jedi incompetence. There was silence as Ayla processed that impassioned statement. She had never heard Ahsoka so passionate about anything in her life, but she couldn't help but be a little suspicious of the timing too, wondering if this Harry hadn't done something to influence the girl. Ahsoka broke the silence, snapping out of the memory. Speaking of staying or leaving, what will you do now, Master Sakura? Ayla winced at how formal Ahsoka continued to address her. She had hoped that Ahsoka would lighten up, and get more comfortable as they spoke. But quite clearly, that was not happening. Anakin Skywalker had warned her via private communication. After she had departed, that Ahsoka was extremely hurt by the Council's actions and inactions. He wasn't certain she'd be receptive to talking to her, or anyone but him, really. Ayla initially thought there was a bit of arrogance in the statement, but in retrospect, Anakin knew his student very well. Ahsoka was clearly unhappy with the Council. He was now very likely the only Jedi who Ahsoka wouldn't remain on guard around. Ayla wondered if perhaps Anakin had underestimated how much she had been hurt. Ahsoka mistook Ayla's extended silence for a loss. "You do realize you have no ship to get out of here, right?"
1: "I will find a way," Ayla said with more confidence than she felt. "I am sure an option will present itself. Ziphos will help." Ahsoka
0: snorted. I think I'd prefer to rely upon myself to provide. Soka did have a point, Ayla thought. She was in more than a little bit of trouble at the moment. No ship and no secure means of communicating with the Jedi Council. With her ship blown up, along with the manner she went silent immediately afterwards, the orders of first assumption would be that she had been killed. There was always the chance that the more excitable members of the Council would think Harry had done it. They all seemed to be completely oblivious to the fact Ahsoka was now one of the higher bounties in the galaxy, now that she no longer held the Republic's or the Jedi's protection. Ayla wondered why so many were so insistent on figuring out Harry. They were possessed with almost a single-minded focus on the man, blinded to all of the threats. Idly, she wondered what would have happened if they had been this quick to chase down ghosts, such as Harry, back when Master Qui-Gon Jinn had died at the hands of a Sith. Her thoughts were interrupted when Ahsoka simply said, You should come with us to
1: Kashik. Why? What is on Kashyyyk?
0: Ayla asked, wondering why the two of them were headed there. Ahsoka rolled her eyes. A government that's a heck of a lot friendlier than the huts, for one. you will easily be able to get a hold of whoever you need to at the consulate there. Harry's not that bad. I'm sure if you asked, he'll let you come.
1: Not that bad?
0: Ayla echoed. A combination of doubt and sarcasm
1: filled her voice. It took one look at me and assumed I was either a whore or a dancer. So maybe he's a bit rough around the edges.
0: But he did save my life when he didn't have to. He's protecting me even now when it's more trouble than just leaving me with my own devices, Ahsoka said defensively.
1: It has an entire docking bay that was filled with naked bounty hunters,
0: Ayla replied. "'Okay, I won't deny that isn't a bit bizarre. "'That description pretty much fits Harry to a T, though.' "'Ahsoka responded after a moment, "'before falling silent for several more. "'When she spoke again, her voice was soft when she repeated, "'I trust him. "'I don't know much about his past, or where he comes from, "'or learn to do what he does. "'But he's only helped me. "'He may not have much of a filter,' and may make some inappropriate comments, but he still seems like he has only good intentions despite it. Ahsoka shrugged. He may have his quirks, but I trust him. If ever someone waved a red flag in front of Ayla, presenting a mystery that the Rutian Twi'lek would now absolutely be required to solve for her own peace of mind, this was it. A mysterious force user with odd powers, odd companions, and a mysterious background? her empathetic side wouldn't let her resist. She had no idea if Ahsoka had dangled that little nugget of information out there intentionally, but whether she admitted it or not, Ayla had already committed herself to traveling with the man if she was allowed. Unfortunately, that was where the idea came to a grinding halt in her mind. She needed to convince the man to allow her to come with them. The same man who thought she was a prostitute, then a dancer, then a dancer prostitute, and finally a spy or assassin. "'Yeah, she had her work cut out for her.' "'They had sat in relative silence outside the ship "'after Ahsoka had quickly entered to set up the restoration of the ship's computer "'and various navigation equipment. "'It was an uncomfortable silence, which Ayla had no idea how to break, "'when suddenly it was done for her. Doby popped into the docking bay looking extremely frantic.' He looked around wildly, summoning bits of equipment and banishing the remaining few unconscious bounty hunters into a pile in a corner without care for how hard he was doing it. The resulting cracks indicated that he had broken at least one or two bones when he had done so. Ayla didn't need her empathetic abilities to feel the fear, anger, and panic of the little creature. His movements transmitted all of that emotion quite clearly. She couldn't help but ask,
1: w? That is your name, correct? What is wrong?
2: Master Harry very angry. Find something wrong at last ship he stole.
1: The little being replied
0: quickly before he popped away without any further details. Ala's eyes went to Ahsoka, and she was unable to keep a little bit of judgment out of her expression. The description of Harry as being angry definitely wasn't doing him any favors in her book, especially if he utilized the Force in his rage. Before she could say anything about the implications, they were interrupted by a large group of beings appearing out of nowhere. Well, said Ahsoka as she stared slack-jawed once again at one of Harry's actions, this will certainly be a story. It took longer than Harry expected. First, he had underestimated the number of ships he was going to be stealing. Second, while Minnie was able to give him the docking bay and access codes, he was the one that had to actually go and find them and Nar was enough of a maze that he was apparating all over the place in his search. At one point, he almost went back to use legitimacy on the bounty hunters just to make the job easier. However, he was certain his actions would cause havoc for a number of criminals. The idea of pranking such people made him nostalgic, and he could only imagine being watched from far above by a group whose rich pranking history he continued as they laughed their heads off. His approach was simple. Enter the corresponding docking bay, with the codes gotten from the various bounty hunters. He would then stun anyone who might be there. He considered taking them for bounties too, but knew he had far more people than he wanted on a ship already. He also realized that they had stayed behind due to drawing the short straw, or just weren't fighters. Of course, if the bounty hunters or mercenaries currently enjoying extended naps in his docking bay escaped, or eventually were freed... They would probably be a bit miffed to discover their ships had just disappeared. The only people they could take out their frustrations on would be the ones who they were supposed to be guarding the ships. Everyone always needed someone to blame when things went wrong. He proceeded from there into the ship's central core, where he took a quick look around to ferret out anyone still left. He found were stunned and left in the docking bay as well. He also reminded himself that he would have to teach revealing charms to Ahsoka at some point. Harry didn't make use of them, not to check her people anyway. It was far easier to wrap himself in his magic, which caused souls of any sentient being to stand out like beacons within the ship. Unfortunately, that ability was only in his arsenal due to one of his unique circumstances of his life, and he doubted Ahsoka would be able to mimic the same thing. He had never met a witch or wizard that could. He then headed deeper into the ship towards the engineering section and the interior access panels for the engines. Of course, in two of the ships, he had no idea where the engines actually were due to his unfamiliarity with that particular ship design and their sheer size, so it took some wandering about to locate them. But he would eventually venture to the engine compartments and the adjacent power cores and pull out the power couplings, then power down the ship's reactors. Now was certainly not the time to run an experiment on what would happen when an active reactor was saturated with the kind of magic he intended to flood the ship with. Harry would then stick the power couplings to the ground next to the engines with a sticking charm so they wouldn't get loose, along with any other debris or parts in the site as he left. Then he would walk out of the ship and cast the most powerful shrinking charm he could manage. Channeling enough power to shrink the entire ship until it was no larger than a model was no mean feat. It took a bit of concentration, but he had plenty of power. When the ship was no larger than a model that a child might play with, He would walk over, cast a quick unbreakable and featherlight charm to the pseudo die-cast toy, then drop it in a sack that he'd conjured. After repeating the process a few times, Harry found that he honestly enjoyed himself. He pilfered seven ships of different sizes and designs, including two that he had no idea how they managed to fly, much less space travel. He was whistling and letting his mind wander, even considering making a hobby out of miniaturized spaceships and displaying them somewhere. The idea of a model display case with a hidden meaning behind it seemed almost too cool of a thing not to do. Hopefully Soka wouldn't object, and Doby wouldn't feel the need to ask Harry to shrink him to clean the shrunken ship's interiors. Those humorous thoughts would unfortunately not last until they returned to the Gryffindor. When he reached the second to last ship he intended to take, his good mood disappeared. He approached the much larger than average ship after he had stunned the one guard on duty, at the ramp, and then quietly boarded. Most pirates tended to stay away from such bulky freighters because they tended to be slow and cumbersome, which was hardly a good thing for a space pirate since other ships could evade them, even if it did seem rather well armed. Nor was a ship like this going to be able to avoid security sweeps and patrols if anyone stopped them for inspection. This meant that, for any competent owner, smuggling seemed an unlikely profession for its crew. It took him less than 30 seconds after he had moved inside before he discovered just why the ship was so big. It wasn't a bounty hunter ship, or a pirate ship, nor a smuggler ship. It wasn't even a standard freighter whose crew got it in their heads that they could get an easy payday by doing a bit of casual kidnapping and disguise themselves as bounty hunters. It was a slaver's ship and the hold was occupied, and not by more wannabe bounty hunters. Chained up in the hold were over a dozen women and young girls of different species, Twi'leks of four different skin tones, Togrutans, Humans, Rhodian, Zoltran, divornian Zelonian, and Zebrac. Those were just the races he identified at first glance from memory. All of them were manacled to the walls on their knees. Harry clenched his fist and tried to control his anger at the reaction received when a few of them noticed him. The females that were conscious all stared in his direction in fear. He knew the reaction was partially because he wasn't part of their routine. It was obvious the crew was enjoying the comfort of their presence from the condition of a few of them, but Harry was new, and anything that disrupted the routine meant that it was possible that one or more of the girls would end up being purchased for Merlin knows what. His presence on the ship signified change and a possibility that their immediate living conditions could either be light years better or parsecs worse than where they currently found themselves. It was the unknown. He'd seen that fearful stare more times than he'd care to remember and unfortunately, Harry was all too familiar of how to handle it. Harry wished this was the first time he had seen this sort of sight. Unfortunately, it was not even close. He could see the helplessness that hung about them and was willing to wager he could guess at the majority of their stories. Some of them would be targets of opportunity, girls that had the misfortune of being isolated by happenstance and kidnapped when no one was looking. Others were the vulnerable and frequent victims of people desperate for quick cash, such as homeless, runaways, or children, those who were weaker and less protected, less able to fight back. And, sadly... Harry knew that some of the girls in front of him were likely sold by their families either to pay debts or merely for profit. He had no doubt that all the Twi'leks and the Rodians fell under that category. Those in this group would have no home to go back to because their families would just turn around and sell them again. So he'd do what he could for them. Harry sighed and resisted the urge to just start making things explode and then murmured quietly, "Doby." A moment later, Doby appeared in front of him with a crack.
2: "'Yes, Master Harry Potter?'
0: the excitable house-elf asked immediately. His manner changed quickly after seeing the expression on Harry's face. Harry gestured at the slaves behind Doby, who turned around to take in the sight and froze at all the eyes that were focused upon the two intruders. Harry's voice was calm and ice-cold. Doby, I need you to set up cots in the hold.' We don't have enough room, then I want you to start cramming the bounty hunters in together. Their comfort isn't any concern to us. Stuff them in the fucking storage compartments if you have to. We'll just need to make sure to put some air freshening charms around them. Once you're done setting up the cots, try putting together some baths and clothes for all of them. Harry's orders were issued crisp but his tone had taken on a deadly quality, which the elf had only heard his master utilize when things were very serious and a lot of people were about to die. The house elf nodded once, briefly. All traces of humor in his normal enthusiasm was gone.
2: Yes, Mr. Harry.
0: Then he disappeared with a pop, causing more than one of the captives that had been brave enough to look directly at them to gasp. Harry sighed and moved towards the women, which immediately caused all of the conscious ones to shake and whimper in fear. Their fear of unknown things had only been compounded by Doby's strange appearance and departure. Harry hesitated as he saw this reaction, and then waved a hand and cast a mild sleeping charm over them that would increase in strength slowly. There were a number of tedious things he needed to perform before he could free them, and by no means did he need them all panicking while he tried to disarm whatever security was in place to keep them here. He could see several tried to fight the charm, and one even succeeded for over a minute, which was impressive as they probably were exhausted and uncomfortable. Once they were all asleep, Harry moved methodically from person to person. He used magic and carefully reached out to each of them in turn. After freeing them from their manacles, he sent a destabilizing pulse of wild magic through their bodies, which disabled all electronics present in or on them. It was the same sort of method he had used to sabotage the recording equipment that may have been present at their booth in the bar. He was more than a little angry, so his control was slightly diffused. This was readily apparent to him when, after he held one of the girls who had resisted his sleep charm for the longest, the lights around them flickered out. It didn't bother him or slow him in the slightest, as he could see in the dark. It likely would have driven the girls to hysterics if they were awake, though, so he was perfectly glad he had put them all to sleep. This left him one final task before he could remove the group from the ship. Very slowly... With all possible concentration he could muster, he extracted the subderminal bombs that each of them were fitted with when they were originally claimed as slaves. With the booby traps removed from each girl, he quickly healed the wounds afterward. He may not have studied to be a mid wizard, but that didn't mean he didn't know how to heal. He just always did it differently. No specific spells, just let magic do what needed to be done to encourage the mending of the wounds. He could almost hear Madame Pomfrey's voice in his head: "There's the normal way." And then there's the Harry Potter way. He moved almost mechanically as he placed each unconscious body in the center of the ship's hold, in a large circle. He conjured a large pink hula hoop, then gently picked up each girl's hand and made sure they were attached to the hula hoop via sticking charm. A cushioning charm was placed underneath each to prevent injuries from what was about to occur. The hoop glowed blue with a wave of his hand, and then the group disappeared from the slaver's hold. They had just disappeared with a pop when the door directly behind Harry opened and a light pierced the room. Uneven footsteps were overshadowed as laughter spilled through the now-open hatchway. Come on, we probably have plenty of time before the others get back. More than enough to teach that one some respect. Teach her not to bite. We'll take out her teeth. Hey, who turned out the lights? Harry turned around slowly, his eyes practically glowing emerald in the darkened room. "'Who the fuck are you?' The human in the lead started to speak before the rest of his statement was cut off, along with his head as it tumbled and bounced to the floor. "'Ellis? What the hell?' came the shocked voice of one of his compatriots that was only partially in the room and didn't have a clear view of what had happened. Harry didn't waste time. He didn't banter or warn the slavers. He marched forward and tossed silent cutting curses into the group quickly and efficiently. There were four more after the first. The second and third dropped almost immediately after the first, even as their compatriots were complaining about the holdup. The last two were quicker on the uptake than their compatriots and tried to use the sides of the door for cover. It didn't work. Harry simply stepped through the door and cast more cutting charms at either side. One of the two managed to get off a shot with his blaster right into Harry's side. Harry flinched from the burning pain that erupted in his ribs, but didn't cry out as he reduced them both to mountains of gore and body parts. He scowled in irritation at his own sloppiness as he looked down at the injury. It had gone into his side and likely scorched his ribs as well as damaged some of his internal tissue. The loud report of the blaster bolt attracted attention from further in the ship, which caused several voices from further in to call out, "'What the hell? Are they back?' "'Did they manage to get the Jedi? Is she escaping?' Harry was so deep into his magic that it took minimal effort to search out the remaining souls on board. He quickly determined there were five. He didn't bother announcing himself or even speaking. Getting rid of them, now that it was fully in combat mindset, took less than three minutes. The last one gibbered in terror as Harry approached down the hallway that his shaking hand could barely hold the blaster he tried to point at him. He wildly fired three shots, None of them came close. Fortunately, it only took him a minute to find the engine section and pull out the power couplings, sticking them to the ground. On his way out of the ship, he vanished the remains of the bodies, not even bothering to identify any of them. People like this didn't deserve the decency of a funeral, in his opinion, so the Void could have them. He stepped outside of the ship and debated just destroying it, but after a brief internal battle, he decided not to other ships would be sold, or even broken down for spare parts, this ship wouldn't. He would turn it directly over to the Wookiees untouched. Along with the ship, he would deliver all of the slaves to the Wookiees as well. The enormous tree-dwellers would then tear apart the ship's computers and extract everything the slavers knew through their very own persuasive interrogation methods. The residents of Kashyyyk were not exactly known for being gentle, nor did they have Oddly. They had little difficulty overcoming the lack of a magical method of coercion. The wookies would then follow the trail back to the owners of the operation. Heaven forbid that the Wookiees find any hint that slavers had procured any of their people amongst their stock for offerings. The ship itself would eventually be sold at an impound, and much of the proceeds would likely help the victims like the girls who had just been rescued. Five minutes after the slaves had porkied away, the slaver's vessel was dropped in his pocket. His earlier mood was now thoroughly ruined as the initial anger that coursed through him when he'd found the slaves had barely abated. Due to this, he only operated to the next ship just long enough to ensure it wasn't another slaver operation. After he ensured that the ship wasn't run by slavers, and absently noted that the ship barely looked large enough to fit two, much less anyone else, Harry paused just long enough to hit himself with several scourgifies. The short battle in the ship had managed to inundate his clothes and skin with a fair amount of blood splatter, Now looking somewhat less like a crazed psychopath, he apparated away. The idea of wasting time to grab one more ship didn't appeal to him anymore, not with what he had just encountered and done. Absently, he wondered if what he had found was his own version of karma at work. He appeared back at the Gryffindor's docking bay. He took a deep breath and winced against the radiating pain from his side. He shook his head and prepared himself to deal with the next few complications that affected his life since the Salcatano had a gun pressed up to her head and his whole saving people thing had reared up with a vengeance. The girl, who he realized more and more seemed to share so many similarities with himself, was likely only going to add to the troubles and drama in his life the longer they stuck together. Taking a look around. He found Ayla and Ahsoka being held back by a glare from Doby as he levitated the unconscious slaves aboard the ship, obviously moving slowly and taking far more care with the unconscious slaves than he had the naked bounty hunters. When the two women saw him, both abruptly turned away from Doby to face him.
1: What happened?
0: Ayla demanded first. Harry gave the twilight an annoyed look, but answered her question anyway as he walked by. I think that fairly obvious. The second to last stop was a slaver's ship, and this was the cargo. I put them all to sleep and porkeyed them here. Harry followed the last one being levitated up the ramp. He turned to Ahsoka as he placed a foot on board. We'll take them to Kashyyyk and see if we can't get them aid there, and I'll definitely be turning what's left of the slaver crew to the Wookiee authorities. Harry allowed himself a brief vindictive smile, but it faded quickly as he looked back towards Doby and their new passengers. His friend was still slowly, very carefully, bringing them on board one at a time. Ahsoka shivered at the thought of what the Wookiees would do to slavers. There were very few cultures or planets that still had capital punishment. The Wookiees were among those that still had a few crimes, which would lead to a rather barbaric version for the guilty. Quick and painless was not an option if one ran afoul of the Wookiees. Harry, on the other hand completely ignored her disquiet, as his own irritation came into play. He was as upset about the condition of the slaves as he was angry about the fact they were slaves in the first place. The slavers were not kind people, and it showed in how many injuries he had to heal. Unfortunately, he could only heal the physical damage through his abilities. The emotional scars were going to be so much longer to surge. Many. Many. See if there's a missing persons notice out for any of the women. I doubt there will be, but it can't hurt to try and find out. Otherwise, I'm sure the wickies will be happy to care for a few more former slaves from us, Harry said to the droid who had been standing and watching the procession of women into the ship. Of course, Master Potter, the droid said without hesitation. Ahsoka was watching Harry and frowned. His tone was short and his words were clipped, which is something he never did, even to the droids. He hadn't even glanced towards Zayla and Ahsoka after their initial interaction. She followed him quickly into the ship. He was carrying an odd sack, and he seemed to be moving stiffly, which Ahsoka definitely noted. She had spent several days with him, and had come to notice that even for someone who spent her life in the Order, Harry moved with an uncommon fluidity of movement and grace. Harry? What's in the bag? Ahsoka quietly asked. He turned back and stared at her for a moment, as if the question hadn't quite registered. He stayed silent for a full five seconds before he shrugged and negligently tossed the bag to the floor in front of her, where several shrunken ships scattered about. Where else do you think I was going to put the ships I went to steal? Then, without another word of explanation, he walked further inside and passed the unconscious slaves, who were watched over by a crouched doby. Skirting around them, he walked into one of the access hallways, disappearing from sight. Ahsoka didn't glance at the bag for more than a few moments before she double-timed it after Harry, Ayla falling in step right behind. Harry, what? Ahsoka was cut off as she stopped into the access hatch of one of the larger cargo holds. Harry was sorting through a trunk quickly, his back to them, only he was shirtless from the waist up. His dark trousers and boots were gone, although his trousers had been replaced by a pair of light gray sweatpants. Both women stared for a moment at the mishmash of faded scars across Harry's leaf and well-muscled back. Harry turned round, holding a plain white T-shirt in his hands. Yes? They also noticed that his front had scars in irregular places over his skin, but their attention was taken up by the distinctive black circular mark just below Harry's ribcage. Ahsoka rushed forward immediately. You've been shot! She exclaimed, a shrill note to her voice. "'Yeah, one of the slavers from the ship got it in before I got him,' Harry replied and hissed in an intake of breath as Ahsoka
1: prodded the wound lightly. "'We need to get you to a medicine center,'
0: Aayla interjected, though her tone sounded worried at the prospect of going to one in Nar Shadda. "'I'll be fine,' Harry responded shortly. "'No, Harry. Master Sekir is right. We should really get you some medical help,' Ahsoka interjected, a worried tone in her voice. She had stopped prodding the wound when Harry hissed in pain, but she couldn't keep from looking at it. No, I said I'll be fine, Harry said as he tugged the white t-shirt, letting it drop to hang loosely over his frame. When Ahsoka went to protest, Harry shook his head and gently gripped her shoulder to look her in the eye. Remember the bar? Ahsoka quickly nodded. That day wasn't likely to be one she ever forgot. Good. Same principle as the bartender, really. "'Just a touch slower when it's done passively than if I focus on doing it myself with a spell, "'which I really don't feel like using at the moment considering our present company,' "'he said before pushing past her, only be stopped as Ayla blocked the Dory with her arms, "'crossed over her chest, one hand holding the sack that Harriet discarded as it hung over the crook of her arm. "'He was a healthy man, if only slightly mentally unbalanced and broken,' so the sight of a Twi'lek in all leather crossing her arms to push up her already ample chest up into prominence would normally be something he would at least stop to gawk at for a moment. But now wasn't anything close to normal form. Blue, usually I'd totally appreciate the show, that pose, and those clothes offer, but I am so far from the mood, it's not funny, Harry said dryly. You
1: owe us an explanation,
0: Ayla said curtly. Harry's eyes narrowed and his jaw clenched. I don't owe you or your order of idiots crap blue move or I'll move you and not in the way you'd enjoy I'll put your arse right back in that bar from earlier and then we'll see if you can't do a repeat of getting yourself out again Ayla blinked in surprise as she tried and failed to gauge his intentions from only the serious gleam in his eyes his expression held traces of anger but Ayla could sense nothing from him no presence in the force What was strange was that he also exuded no trace of motions at all, and for an empath like her, it was an incredibly eerie feeling. The void-like hole in front of her, combined with the angered individual that stood in its spot, felt weird enough for her that she found herself instinctively taking a step back into the side as he breezed past her into the main hold of the ship. Ahsoka took a step forward before she stopped and looked askancy towards her just long enough to shake her head in disbelief and give a small glare towards the twilight Jedi before she too followed Harry into the large storeroom with all the slaves. Ayla was left slightly shaken at how she had been so quickly intimidated by the unknown Force users she had unwisely, and perhaps unjustly, demanded answers of. It was a feeling she had not felt often, and one she had actively worked in her life to avoid freezing up when confronted with it. It certainly made her feel as if she had just mentally regressed years in her training, just from that one stare he had leveled at her. When she finally collected herself, she slowly walked out into the primary hold, and found that Harry was looking at all the cots crammed inside the space, one practically on top of the other. She quietly moved towards Ahsoka, who now wasn't even acknowledging her presence after Ayla's apparent gaffe as hair changed out of his soiled clothes. The man truly frustrated her. He apparently was fully aware of her fighting prowess and abilities, yet had just as quickly dismissed her as anything resembling a threat. The strongest acknowledgement he'd given her was based on her species and its reputation, which was something she never wanted recognition for to begin with. Her entire life, She'd fought to be known more than a blue pair of breasts with high-power cylinder used for questionable purposes attached to her hip. Now, though, a man who had taken in a friend that her own organization had marginalized, had also made his opinion of her known with the utterance of little more than a dozen words. That same friend, that she wanted nothing more than to protect and shield from any more harm, now seemed to hold this enigmatic bounty hunter in the highest esteem. Esteem given, despite the man's lack of decorum on their first meeting, where he dismissed Ala as nothing more than a whore akin to the profession of many of the females of her species. It was truly frustrating. A lump of apprehension slowly settled over her stomach the longer she was in his presence, as, when she finally made contact with the Jedi Order, she had no idea how to report that Ahsoka Tano now followed a Force-wielder who nearly made her wet herself in fear at a glance, the same being Ahsoka now called Master. She stood alongside Ahsoka and just watched him. They observed as his emotional state took a visible change. She may not have been able to read anything from him, but she could see the expression on his face. Gone was the intensity, and in its place was... sadness? Ayla tilted her head as she realized that his expression seemed very... weary. For several moments, Harry looked round at the slaves that were all laid out in cots, side by side in the cramped area before Harry lifted both of his arms and made a curious pushing movement to the sides. Ayla was completely unprepared as she felt a wave of the force wash over her, as the entire cargo hold seemed to grow around them. She watched as cots that were literally side by side with unconscious slaves less than a foot from each other spread apart as the room grew to give them at least six feet apart. Ayla looked around wildly in an attempt to figure out if her senses had been fooled by a simple mind trick, but found none every time she checked.
1: By the what, ow?
0: Her eyes eventually fell on Ahsoka, who didn't look at all surprised at this phenomenon. Ahsoka met her gaze briefly, and actually seemed amused by Ayla's sudden lack of composure. For Ahsoka's part, she had seen this particular effect before, not to the extent of a hold, but Harry had shown her what a space expansion charm did to a trunk, and described the effects. Not that describing the facts took much effort to comprehend, as the name was self-explanatory, but the opportunity to see Ayla's reaction to a first-hand viewing of it in action, that any sort of forewarning whatsoever, was particularly funny. Harry ignored both of them. He had dropped his arms, and the expansion of the hold stopped. He bowed his head for a moment, and then took a deep breath, before moving to sit beside one of the bunks, which contained a lone Zabrak female among the slaves. He visibly braced himself and took a deep breath before he slowly lifted the charm that kept the girl beside him asleep. As the effects slowly dissipated, he watched the girl before him become less and less influenced by his sleeping spell, and fall into a troubled sleep. He thought that these next few hours or so would not be filled with a fun conversation. What was worse was that necessity required that he repeat the conversation at least 14 more times after this first. The only shining light in the situation, hopefully was, as more of the former slaves woke up, they were safe, they would be able to comfort each other as he moved on to explain the situation to the next girl. As the girl in front of him returned to consciousness, he cast a very light, calming charm. Not enough to really stop her emotions, but enough to take off the edge and prevent any immediate hysterics. Upset was an emotion he could deal with. Hysterics would be far harder to manage. They'd be emotional enough being in a totally strange place, and they likely weren't going to be the most trusting. Harry had no doubt that a good amount of his next few hours would be reassuring them that they were okay, and any dangerous devices had been removed. The Zabrak started to shift on the cot, but hadn't woken fully. Harry spoke quietly, yet clearly enough that both Ahsoka and Ayla were able to hear him, his eyes on the Zabrak. She couldn't have been more than fifteen or sixteen, and he vividly remembered the injuries he had been forced to heal on her. Doby. The small being popped into existence beside him immediately.
1: Yes, Master Harry!
0: There was no eager bounce or earnestness. He simply waited for instruction. Seal the brig compartment with the slavers in them. No matter what I say, nobody goes in or out of them except for you. Harry's expression darkened for a moment. "'Especially me.' Doby regarded his master for a moment before nodding "'and disappearing with a snap of his fingers. "'Harry knew that if he really wanted to get in, "'Dobie wouldn't be able to stop him, "'but it would add a check to his temper "'knowing that he would have to order the little being "'to let him kill the filth he had captured "'or force his way past Doby. "'Given the stories he believed he was about to hear, "'he was sure that the idea would look tempting more than once.' Harry took a breath, then sat down on the floor, crossing his legs, making it clear that he posed no immediate threat. He winced a bit as the position added pain to his healing injury. He put himself in a pose that clearly indicated no strike was forthcoming, and would have him looking up to speak to anyone sitting on the cot, giving them a slightly unconscious perceived sense of power. He flicked a muffling charm around the area so she had privacy with just him. Unless she screamed... Then it would collapse and you'd have to see about getting Ahsoka or the Jedi involved. As Ahsoka watched, the young Zabrak girl seemed to realize she was conscious conscious and in an unfamiliar place. She snapped up in the cot and looked around wildly, trying to get her bearings. Her eyes fixed on Harry, and she jerked slightly, her hands coming up to protect her before realizing that though the environment was unfamiliar, she wasn't presently in any danger. Then she looked at her hands in wonder, seeing that she wasn't manacled anymore. As Ahsoka watched, Harry began the first of what would likely be a very uncomfortable and difficult conversation. She realized she didn't want to just seem like she was standing and gawking at the slaves. She looked over at Ayla and had to bite her lip to keep from laughing. The Jedi Master couldn't seem to decide where to look. Her gaze flicked back and forth between Harry, who was leaning back on his hands, his pose seemingly relaxed as he and the Zabrak girl conversed, and the cargo hold, which was now much wider than it had been before. Ahsoka turned her attention from Ayla's expression to the bag in the Twilek's hand, one she seemed barely cognizant of holding. She moved forward, her curiosity getting the better of her. She took the bag from Ayla's unresisting grasp and reached inside, gingerly holding up the first thing her hand touched an extremely detailed model of a Bado-class start yacht. Asoka turned the ship over in her hand, and her only external reaction was to blink several times as she realized exactly what she was holding. It was one thing to have seen it in action in random bits around the ship, but the realization that she now held an entire fully functional starship in the palm of her hand was quite the jarring experience. If there had ever been a, a truer example of the power of the Force and its size ultimately meant nothing, then it was the tiny object that now lay innocently in her hands. Ayla joined Ahsoka as she watched Harry. He spoke to a young girl as she clutched her arms in front of her. Ayla could see that he said something, but for the life of her, she couldn't tell what. She watched the person she had, less than an hour earlier, declared as no more than a bounty hunter scum. Talked to a slave he'd apparently liberated like he was at uh, absolutely no other concerns for anything in the galaxy but the poor girl's well-being course after his use of the force her mind still struggled to come to terms with what she had seen as she glanced around the expanded hold she saw the girl look over in the direction of ahsoka and herself nervously and then look away quickly when she saw ayla look back ayla blushed looking down realizing that she had been staring at harry and the zabrak had misinterpreted it as staring at her In order to distract herself from staring at the unfortunate girls, she mimicked Ahsoka and reached down into the bag as well, extracting the model of an Action V transport ship she had encountered first. She held the toy gingerly in her hand, and initially wondered why Harry had said he had put the ships he had stolen in the bag when it hit her what he had truly meant. It was minutes later, as realization slowly made her mind restart, that she truly began to understand the enormity of exactly what it was she was holding. A full-sized ship had been shrunk so that, in its current state, it probably weighed less than a pound. It represented too many impossibilities occurring too quickly in a row. She simply could not believe that she held a small mint worth of credits in her hands. It was something that should weigh several hundred tons, hidden in plain sight under the disguise of an innocuous toy. This? This can't be the ship? was all she could manage to say after she had turned the ship over half a dozen times. Ahsoka didn't respond. She merely raised an eyebrow at the Twilight Jedi, an amused look on her face. Ayla examined the craft for any flaw that could give away the illusion that it was cleverly done model or something of that nature. She could feel the Force acting strangely around it, and she almost wanted to throw the ship back in the bag for fear of undoing whatever it was that Harry did, and inadvertently crushing both Ahsoka and herself. I I
1: don't believe it.
0: Ayla finally breathed out as her eyes never wavered from this thing that should not be possible, sitting right there in her hands. Ahsoka gave her old friend a half-smile and said, And that is why I'm sticking with Harry.
1: Ahsoka, what do you really know of him? About who he is?
0: Hela asked after a small pause.
1: How can you possibly trust him after knowing him only a few days? I don't care what tricks he can do. This is not normal.
0: Ahsoka frowned, but she didn't have a response for some of what Ayla was saying. Harry really hadn't talked about where he was from, though he'd mentioned some facts about his planet of origin and passing. Ultimately, he hadn't provided all that much detail on his background. He had seemed reluctant, and Ahsoka had never really seen a reason to press for more than she was already dealing with, trying to understand Harry's impossible way of using the Force. Sensing the hesitation in Ahsoka, Ayla pressed forward.
1: You do not know who it is, what his beliefs are, where he is from, or where he learned to use the Force like he does.
0: She hesitated, and her voice dropped to whisper.
1: Or what his intentions are.
0: Zoka's mouth opened for an immediate reply, but she paused when her attention was diverted from Ayla back over to Harry as the girl he was talking to curled up and visibly started to sob. She watched as he reached out gently and touched her shoulder. A touch she could tell was feather light. The Zabrak girl recoiled from it briefly and hesitated before she turned and threw her arms round his neck and began to sob against Harry instead. Ahsoka saw Harry didn't even look surprised or bothered. Instead, he lightly rubbed her back and continued to talk to the girl. Ahsoka didn't look away from the sight in front of her, didn't glance at Ayla once to see if the Jedi saw the same thing she did. She honestly felt Harry's ultimate intentions couldn't be expressed more fully and genuinely by the scene in front of her. If anyone actually saw what was in front of her now, and still had doubts about Harry, there isn't a day that goes by, she said quietly, where I haven't said at least some of that half a dozen times. She gestured at the two people in front of them. Harry was stroking his thumb over the cheeks of the Zabrak girl, and she was actually smiling at something he said. Seeing this vindicated every risk and leap of faith Ahsoka had made over the past week, and she wouldn't hesitate to drive that point home now to the Jada beside her that was attempting to divert her from the path she knew she had irrevocably chosen. Can you honestly tell me that he's following a dark path? A path that would lead to the ruin of civilization as we know it? Upsetting the so-called balance of the force the rest of the masters prattle on about? Ahsoka asked bluntly aloud. Ayla hadn't come out and said it, but Ahsoka didn't really believe in subtlety. She knew what lurked in the mind of the Twi'lek beside her. It was an open secret within the Jedi Order that Ayla Sakura had once been kidnapped as a padawan, fed glitteral, until her mind had figuratively oozed out of her nose and had been turned into nothing more than a devout harem girl by her own uncle, and then, without her memories to teach her right from wrong, ended up serving a dark Jedi that had recently been released from stasis. Ayla had been rescued from that literal hell, and the recovery she endured afterwards required most of her mind to painfully be put together bit by bit. Even now, a decade later, Ayla still feared the temptation of the dark side as the memories of her own drug-induced fall still haunted her. She turned her full attention on Ayla. I'll be the first to admit, he's crude. He's blunt, has no sense of tact. He gets entirely too much fun out of winding people up for no more than his own amusement. Ahsoka's lips twitched into an amused smile. It's even possible he's not entirely sane. Harry himself had said several times over the past few days, declared that insanity was boring, and only for people who accepted the reality constructed by others. He'd gotten that faraway look in his eyes after he'd said it, and that wistful sad smile was once more on his face. And yes, I'm even willing to say he can be a bit of an asshole at times, Ahsoka said. But you don't have to be nice to be a good person, and while he may have his own moral code, it seems to be working just fine for him and those around him. Letting that statement linger, Soka set the ship she was still holding back into the bag around Ayla's arm and then walked round to the group of women on the cots to head to the cockpit. She wanted to double-check to make sure that the computer had been updated properly, and she knew they would depart the moon the moment Harry had managed to get the freed slaves secured. Ayla didn't have a reply for that. She did, however, follow Asoka up the front of the ship, though she didn't leave the hold to follow the young Turguton into the cockpit. Instead, she leaned next to a wall, near where the Protocol Joy Mini stood motionless, charging in a wall socket. Ayla just watched Harry as he worked his way through the group, her eyes rarely leaving him. She watched as he and the Zabrak moved over to the second slave, and she felt more than saw a small shift in the force as the second woman began to wake up. Over the next few hours, the process began to repeat itself, and his hairy moved patiently from woman to woman, waking them up, calming them, reassuring them, feeding them the first full meal some of them had probably had in a long time. Ahsoka had come back out to join her in her vigil, though neither spoke as they watched. The other slaves helped him make progress a little bit easier from the start, yet still it was painstaking. There was even a Devonian girl, probably the youngest of the group based on her size, It took over an hour and a half to coax to talk to Harry and the others. After Harry had woken and spoken to each woman, they had gathered in a group for comfort. The stresses and grief, however, had taken its toll, and the eight were struggling to stay awake, perhaps for fear that if they fell asleep, they'd wake up to find out that their current situation was a dream. Harry once more cast a slowly-strengthening sleeping charm on the area, though far more slowly than the ship. That had taken two minutes— This time, he spread it out over the course of fifteen minutes or so. But eventually, even the strong-willed Zabrak succumbed to her own exhaustion, curling up protectively around the young Dabonian girl. He slowly stood up, really for the first time since he'd sat on the cargo hold floor. Even when he had moved from cot to cot, he had crawled or remained crouched, which kept himself as non-threatening as possible. He stood up and rolled his shoulders and turned his head from side to side, stretching out the kinks that his several hours of effort on the floor had earned him. Then he slumped and turned towards the cockpit. Asoka was shocked by his expression. She had seen him laugh, tease, tense, concentrate, and earlier he had been mad and then grim. However, now, his expression was weary. It made him appear like a haggard old man, well beyond the age his face betrayed. He walked towards the front of the hold where Soka and Ayla had kept their vigil for the past few hours. He walked up and spoke quietly, his voice reflecting the fatigue in his eyes, though his voice was a little more intense for it. "'Miss Tano, is the ship's computer back online?' When Soko simply nodded in response, Harry cocked his head slightly in acknowledgement. "'Good. We're leaving. Now. Minnie, prep the ship for launch.' The droid charging nearby immediately sprang to life, in acknowledgement.
1: Yes, Master Potter.
0: Doby, as soon as Minnie says we're good, go strip down the wards outside the ship. Leave nothing behind that's ours. As soon as I fire up the engines, we're out of here. Harry said, not even bothering to look around to see if the house elf was nearby. The house elf appeared instantly as his name was spoken, and just nodded his head, disappearing as soon as Harry had completed his orders. Ayla had watched the orders issued by the exhausted man with a calm detachment that spoke of great leadership and combat experience. It was blatantly obvious the experience with the slaves had a massive effect on him, and the mental fatigue that it had wrought upon him was in far excess of the physical attrition he had incurred. When his final order had been issued to the tiny green being, he glanced for the briefest moment at her. Nothing was revealed in that look, but she felt an ominous foreboding that something subtle had just shifted. Then he headed down the access hallway to the cockpit, and there wasn't even hesitation to his gait as he passed her, and in that same but direct voice commanded, Get the hell off my ship, Jedi. Nothing further was said. The man didn't even glance behind him as he disappeared around the corner. End Chapter 4 Thank you for listening. This has been a B-Squared for Life production. Please visit and review the story using the link provided.